Welcome to the Writer Experience Podcast, presented by FlickeringMyth.com. I'm your host, Court Dunn. Join us as we talk to writers about their work, their process, and what it means to be a writer. Today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash writer experience. Audible has over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Welcome to the Writer Experience Podcast. Today's guest is Julio Anta. Julio is a writer based in New York City. Raised in Miami, a Cuban and Colombian family, Julio strives to tell narratively rich stories about diverse and empowered Latinx characters for adult, young adult, and middle grade readers. His debut comic book series, Home, is out now, courtesy of Image Comics. Julio's forthcoming work includes Frontera, a YA graphic novel from Harper Alley, and Si Se Puede, a nonfiction graphic novel from Ten Speed Press, coming summer 2023 and fall 2023, respectively. Julio has been on the podcast before to discuss short stories in comic book form and is also a friend of the podcast. Julio, welcome back to the show. How's it going? Good, good. I'm really happy to be back. Thanks for inviting me back. I am very excited to talk to you because, as we discussed before the podcast, it was about a year, year and a half ago that we discussed short stories in comic book form. Mm -hmm. And that was during the height of the pandemic, I believe. So I know a lot has happened both in the world and in the world of your career. So just to kick it off and catch up, can you walk us through some of the events that have unfolded since we last spoke during that time? And based on that, I would love to dive into home and the writing process behind it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's wild how long it's been since we last spoke. I really didn't think it had been this long when we talked about getting together again for this. But you know, we last spoke March, I think late March 2020. So you know, that's when we were just getting started with the lockdowns. At the time, I had just sold home to Image Comics. It wasn't public yet, but initially the plan was to release it in November of 2020, but the pandemic pushed a lot of books back, you know, especially at a small publisher like Image. So we ended up launching in April of 2021, earlier this year, and the trade paperback that collects the five issues just came out. But since then, I guess I sold my YA debut, Frontera, to Harper Alley. That's HarperCollins's YA imprint. And I sold my follow-up to that also with Harper Alley. And then I also sold my first nonfiction book, which I think we talked about last time, how a lot of my books are kind of inspired by nonfiction and by real events and then fictionalized in some way. But this book, Si Se Puede, is my first kind of jump into just straight nonfiction. And that book was sold to 10 Speed Press, which is an imprint of Penguin Random House. They're the people who did that great graphic novel about the Black Panther Party earlier this year, I believe, or it might have been last year at this point. But yeah, so a lot's been going on, but you know, promoting home right now because the graphic novel just came out. Love that. You just mentioned some of the developments that have happened. When we last left off, I believe you had maybe just gotten an agent, assuming that that's a part of some of the momentum that you've had over the past years, getting that agent, getting your foot in the door yeah. in that way. Can you walk us through, for those writers who are listening, can you take us back a little bit and walk us through the story of how you got the agent and then how important that is to making some of these developments come true that you just mentioned? 
Yeah. I mean, you know, I wouldn't, you know, beyond home, I probably wouldn't have any other books without my agent right now. Her name's Jess. She's been involved in everything. You know, she's become my first reader, somebody that I talk to almost every single day and that I bounce off all my ideas off of and my first editor on every project also. So I connected with Jess in, I believe, November 2019 through a Twitter pitching event called DV Pit. And this is an event that happens, I believe, twice a year, where essentially editors and agents from throughout publishing, and this goes for all genres and age groups. So this was originally, I think it came out of like the YA prose community, but now it encapsulates everything. So graphic novels are included. And essentially, they set up all these different hashtags, right? So one hashtag is the name of the event, DV Pit. And then there's other hashtags for every kind of genre. So if you're an agent, you can search the hashtags that apply to what you're looking for. And then writers will put out their pitches, essentially, or their log line. And they'll say what the genre is, what the audience is. And if for graphic novels, they'll also include maybe some sample art that them or the artist they're working with has developed. So that's what I did during the, I think it was in November, during that event in November of 2019, me and Jacoby Salcedo, my co-creator of Frontera, we put up just the log line for the book and some of his sample art, some character designs, I think. And then we put it out there and it's a 24-hour event and kind of like the whole publishing industry is involved in it. And essentially, it's a way for agents and editors to find you. And coincidentally, both the agent I signed with, Jess, and the editor that we ended up selling the book to both contacted me on that day based off of that pitch for Frontera. So really, you know, without this Twitter pitching event, I don't find my editor as quickly as, you know, I would have without it. You know, I know a lot of stories of people just querying and trying to find an agent for, you know, years and years. But with an event like this, it kind of helps people like me who you know, are unknown and really, you know, are working hard and have a lot of ideas, but don't have an audience to just find representation, essentially. Julio, I would love to dive into the process of home, but I would love for the context of the readers to quickly hop into the description, which is when a young boy is turned away from his mother while seeking asylum at the U.S. border, something begins to change in him. And it isn't just the trauma, anxiety, and guilt you'd expect. He doesn't know it yet, but it's the onset of superhuman abilities that will change his life forever. Julio Anta and Anna Weischek debut with a deeply grounded and heartfelt five-issue series that explores the real-world implications of a migrant with extraordinary powers. With Home out now, I would love to dive into the process of writing Home from its inception to its completion. At what point before or after you founder agent, had you been working on the idea for home yet? How did the idea come about? And how did that get started? How did the publisher get involved? I know images involved. So how did everything all come together in the beginning to get that concept greenlit? Yeah, everything involving home kind of came before my agent. Home is really why I decided to start writing comics in the first place or the idea for home. For those of you who don't know, home is a comic book series, now graphic novel, about a young boy who is separated from his mother at the U.S.-Mexico border. And while this is happening, superhuman abilities are also manifesting inside of him. 
And this is a book that came from, you know, a lot of a lot of pain, a lot of anger at what was happening during family separation, the zero tolerance policy. And at the time that this is happening, I am not a writer. You know, I have a background in music and, you know, doing like music writing and like writing for zines and that kind of thing, but nothing, never any narrative writing and certainly not any comic book writing. But as this was happening, you know, I remember just feeling so angry about what was happening, seeing my father in the eyes of these kids. My father came to this country when he was five years old from Cuba as a Cuban exile. My mother's parents were undocumented from Colombia. And at the time, I'm a new father. My son was three years old as this was happening. So, you know, I was feeling, you know, more emotional than I normally felt, you know, with all of the other, you know, cruel and horrible things that have been done. To migrants, this one kind of just hit home a lot more for me. And eventually I came up with this concept for home, but I didn't know how to write comics. I didn't know anything. I didn't know what to do. And then I got the advice from another comic book writer to start writing short comics. And I think that's mostly what we talked about in the last episode. But I essentially used that as a springboard to not only hone my skills, but also learn what it was like to collaborate with artists and then have something to show publishers when I did finally get around to pitching home. And I think that that all worked out in that way. I like to think that when Image saw my pitch for home, they looked back at these short stories and saw that this wasn't my first time doing something. It wasn't my first time writing or collaborating or finishing a project. So while I was working on all those short stories, I was putting together my pitch for home. And I found the artist on a Weiss check and we created sample pages together. And then at New York Comic Con 2019, I essentially started cold pitching editors at their booths at the convention. And it's not necessarily something I'd recommend for other people. It's kind of a you know humiliating and degrading process. But through doing that, I actually met an editor at one of Image's imprints who put it in front of Eric Stevenson, the publisher at Image. And that's, you know, that's kind of like the short story of how we ended up at Image. But it was really through you know, that process at New York Comic Con that we got the book greenlit at Image. You had said you had been working on the book before Image took it on. At what point was it at when they said, okay, we want to work with you on it? And what were the immediate next steps that you went about refining it, getting into the right place from a writing standpoint? Yeah. So it was a pretty standard comic book pitch, which was essentially a page that talked about like the high concept of the book, why I was writing it, why, you know, why it mattered to me. Another page that talked about the characters, and then a full synopsis of the five issue series that we wanted Image to greenlight essentially. So that's a synopsis that spoils the whole book. It's not meant to hold anything back. And then I'd written the whole first issue already, but essentially Anna drew the first eight pages of it as sample pages. And we included that in the back of the pitch so that when we showed publishers, they could see what the whole story was going to be. And also they could read what the whole story was going to be. And then they could also see what the pages were going to look like. And that's something that I learned from taking a class from another writer, Alex Segura. He's the writer of The Black Ghost, a comic book series. He's also done some Star Wars novelizations. And he teaches a class about an online class about pitching comic books and what a comic book pitch should look like and how to approach editors. And really, that's pretty much where my template for my pitch came from. 
it was workshopped with other students there as well. But then when Image gave it the green light, we had our template already. So it was just up to me to write the remaining four issues. And it was time for Anna to, you know, get to work illustrating it and the rest of our team to color it and letter it. Diving into the writing process itself, walk me through A, how you compartmentalize the books themselves as opposed to the greater arc of the full story, how you were able to plot that out across multiple books as one collection. Walk us through how you initially looked at the greater work and broke it down into pieces. Yeah, for sure. So like I said before, most of my work since home has been graphic novels, so not like serialized single-issue comics, but this is serialized. So it's important to end each issue on a cliffhanger, something that's going to make the reader want to you know, pick up the next issue as soon as it's available. But it's also important that, at least for me, that each issue exists within a three-act structure. So I plan out each issue as its own three-act structure, but then I also look at the whole five-issue arc as its own three-act structure as well. So one example for that is that you know the first issue of Home ends with Juan, the main character, kind of having this uncontrolled explosion of his powers. So the inciting incident of that issue is when he's separated from his mother, and the cliffhanger is when his powers fully emerge for the first time. But if you look at the full five issues as one three-act structure, the inciting incident is actually the cliffhanger of issue one, which is having this explosion of powers for the first time. So for me, when I was outlining the book, I wanted to make sure that we fell within you know, a structurally sound place for each issue and the arc so that it could be read as single issues, which is how it was originally being released, but then it could also be read as a trade and not feel like it was slowing down at certain parts, if you were reading in the single issues, and not feel like there was too much happening all the time when you're reading it as the graphic novel. As far as actually writing the book itself, let's say a book, when you actually are writing out per page, I know that comic books have their own script language and structure. But from your perspective, for those who might not know, can you walk us through what a traditional comic book page looks like and how you compartmentalize your story versus your dialogue versus what you envision? The panels to look like? Do you know how many panels there's going to be? Break it down for us what each page might look like. Yeah, for sure. You know, for those of you who are screenwriters or at least familiar with screenplays, it's very similar to a screenplay in that you are describing action and then writing out dialogue. But unlike a screenplay, the writer of the script has a lot more control than the writer of a screenplay does, you know, when a director comes in. So in my script for the comic, I am dictating how many panels, and what is happening in each panel, and what action happens in each panel, which for those of you who are just starting to write comics, one of the biggest rules in writing comics is that only one action happens per panel. So, you know, a lot of times I come into writing the script for an issue with an outline, so I know exactly what's going to happen in that issue, and then I'll break it down into pages. I don't get as granular as saying, like, page one is this, page two is that, page three is that for a whole 22-page comic. I mostly just know these are all my scenes in this issue. And I want to give this scene two pages. I want to give this scene five pages because maybe it's a big action sequence. I want to give this scene just one page. And that's how I kind of break down my 22 pages. And then I'll go into writing my full script, which is page one, panel one. This is what we see happening in panel one. 
this is my dialogue, if any. Panel two, this is what we see in panel two. And that's not to say that the artist can't, or that the artist has to follow it exactly. Some of the best moments in home and in other books that I've worked on has been when the artist has read the script and thought, you know what, maybe we need an extra panel here just to show this, maybe like an insert kind of shot. And it's worked really well. You know, so for me, one of my favorite things about collaborating when it comes to comics is those moments where I write a script, I have that vision in my head as to what it's going to be. But then when the artist starts working on it, they put their own storytelling power to it as well. So it's not just 100% dictated by me. So, you know, with every page, it's kind of the same thing that I said about every issue also, which is I try to end each page on a certain amount of a cliffhanger that keeps the reader turning the page throughout the whole issue also. You mentioned collaborating with the artist. I mean, I know you had worked with the artist before Image had even gotten involved because you had pages for the pitch. But once Mm -hmm. you're starting to work on it, is it at that point you are working on the full script, then handing it off to the artist and they are drawing and working on the full script itself? Or are you going a few pages at a time walk us through what that balance of working with them going back and forth looks like? You know, everybody works differently. And there's some really like, deadline strict situations that do require a writer to turn in a few pages at a time. But for me, it's important to me to write out an entire story at once. You know, in a graphic novel, that means writing out the entire 250-page graphic novel before the artist starts working on it. In serialized single-issue comics, that means writing out an entire issue and then giving an entire issue to the artist. That doesn't necessarily mean that the artist then works in a silo and you know draws the whole book and then you see it when it's done. Usually the first step for an artist is sketching the whole issue. So essentially doing rough sketches of every page. And this is, you know, quick, sometimes messy. It depends on the artist sometimes. It can be anything from stick figures to really rough pencils of what the final inked page will be. But essentially that gives the writer a chance to give feedback before the artist has invested so much time into each panel and then is asked to you know redo the whole thing essentially. So the first step after I turned in my script was for Anna to kind of rough out the whole issue and then for us to collaborate. And that's the moment where we're really collaborating. That's the moment where she's saying, you know what, maybe we should add one more panel to show the gun in like a tight close-up instead of just having the gun in the character's hand. Or maybe this panel works better as a splash page. And a lot of times too, you know, I'm writing and when I see the sketches, another idea comes up also of a better way to tell the story in that moment, you know, and maybe that's adding another page, maybe that's scaling it back. But then once we go through that whole process, then Anna would ink the book. And that's essentially, you know, when we're kind of past the page of like giving really specific or like labor-intensive feedback, because that's really where most of our time is spent in the inking of the book. Did Anna also color the book as well and letter the book? Who worked on those? And at what point did those phases happen? So the book was colored by Brian Valenza, and it was lettered by Hassan Otmein el And, you know, they were on the team from the beginning, even before Image was involved, because they were involved in the sample pages as well. But essentially, everyone completes their job before the next person. So I write out the full script, Anna inks the whole book, then Brian colors the book, and then Haas letters the book. And while this is happening, like while the three of them are working, I'm scripting the next book. And while Brian is coloring, she's inking the next book. 
So it's kind of this revolving process. But essentially, the way that we work, and I think most teams work as well, is that everybody kind of does their job separately from the other. We have a lot of writers on this podcast. Do you like what writers write? Do you like free stuff? Well, Audible is offering a free audiobook download for listeners of the Writer Experience Podcast with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I recently downloaded James Joyce's Ulysses for my commutes into the city, while our producer Harry, who may or may not exist, has been enjoying J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash writerexperience. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash writerexperience for your free audiobook. What's your favorite film of all time? It might be a sophisticated classic, a childhood favorite, or an enjoyable pile of trash you just can't help but watch over and over again. The Pick of the Flicks podcast, hosted by me, Tom Beasley, is all about celebrating people's favorite movies in whatever form they take. Each week, I interview a different guest about their chosen favorite, whether I agree with their choice or think they're as mad as one of Tom Hardy's accents. So tune in to Pick of the Flicks every week on the Flickering Myth Podcast Network and subscribe with your podcast app of choice. Maybe your favorite film will be next. Hi, I'm George. And I'm Sam. And we're from the That's a Classic podcast on the Flickering Myth Network. We both bring three films each from a certain genre and we battle it out to find out which is the ultimate classic. So you can listen to us on Flickr and Myth, iTunes or Spotify. Check out what classic we choose every week. By the time you get to the lettering phase, I imagine that the words are not concrete at that point. Is there room at that point for you to still be changing and adapting that story or is it too late at that point? Yeah, I mean, for me, I really like to work in a way that my script is totally done before it's even drawn. And that includes dialogue and narration and all that. But there are times that Anna would turn in her rough sketches and I'd read through my dialogue and I would start editing my dialogue and my narration boxes. And then there's also times when we get the lettering drafts back from Haas and I'm reading it and I'm realizing that certain things aren't working exactly the way that I wanted to. And I might rephrase things. But in a perfect world, everything that I wrote is locked in before anybody else kind of starts doing their portion of the art. But no, there's definitely room to change dialogue if needed when the lettering is happening. You mentioned working with your agent and working with image. I would love to break down separately what the process is like for working with each of those parties, because obviously they have their own input and their own impact on how the story and the book ends up being. Can you walk us first through working with your agent as you're in the process of working on this? You said that you sometimes show your agent your work first. So can you walk us through what their relationship looks like? Yeah, definitely. You know, home was an interesting process because I got my agent after I signed with Image. So my agent wasn't really involved in home the way that she's been involved in my other books. But for my other books, essentially, whenever I have an idea for what a new book could be and what I want to work on with the new book, I essentially start working on writing up a high concept for it. And that's usually the first page of the pitch. So as soon as I have that, I send it over to my agent and I get her feedback on it. And that can be anything from editing words, like the wording of the pitch, but also as much as saying like, hey, I think there's room for another element here. I think this book needs something more if it's going to be a full 250-page graphic novel. So a lot of that is my moment to kind of refine 
the concept, the high concept. And then we'll essentially go back and forth on that a little bit. And then when I feel like I'm at a place where I could start writing an outline for the whole book, then I'll do that. And then I'll send that to my agent when I'm done with it. And that's when we'll really kind of get into like the nitty gritty of it, where, you know, I'm a very structured writer. I like to decide before I write a book what the structure of the book is going to be so that I know where am I missing story and where do I need more story or less story. So once I finish my outline, she'll give me feedback on it and on the story as a whole. You know, maybe she'll tell me that a certain character is maybe underdeveloped or that maybe we have too many plot points, any number of things like that. And then I'll move into writing a script for the first chapter. So in a graphic novel, that would be the first chapter. In a single issue series, that would be the first issue. And she'll give me feedback on that as well. And once we have those kind of three pieces ready, a high concept pitch, a full outline, and a sample of the writing, then we'll approach publishers with it and try to sell the book. Sometimes the artist comes in at that point. Also, we've sold books that have been books that I have found the artist myself, or my agent has helped me find the artist before a publisher's been involved. But my latest book that I just finished writing for Harper Alley, that one, we sold the book as what's called a writer-only pitch, where we sold the story to the publisher. And the publisher helps find the artist and kind of like plays matchmaker for me and the artist. As I described in your bio, you strive to tell narratively rich stories about diverse and empowered Latinx characters. Can you tell us more about that drive and your thesis statement as an artist and what you're hoping to express both in this book and also in all of your works? Yeah. I mean, I didn't grow up seeing any characters like me. When I grew up reading comics, watching TV or watching movies, you know, I very, very rarely saw any characters like me, any Latino characters. And, you know, for me, if I'm going to spend so much time on these stories, whether it's conceiving of these stories or actually writing these stories and working with an artist and collaborating and then promoting the books, I want it to be something that I would want to read. You know, everything that I write are books that had they already existed, I wouldn't be writing them. You know, so a book like Home, a book where we have this young Latino boy who has superhuman abilities, you know, that's so rare in comics. It's rare to see Latino characters. It's rare to see Latino creators. And, you know, I want to make the work that I would have liked to have read when I was a kid and that I want to read now. So a big part of that is centering it around, you know, the stories that I know, which is Latino stories growing up in diverse Latino communities in Miami, now in New York. And yeah, so, you know, I guess the short answer is that I'm spending so much time working on all this. So it might as well be something that, you know, represents me and represents people who, you know, don't often see themselves in media. With home and stores now, out now, what are you most excited about in regards to this book, about this collection? And what would you like the listeners who are listening who may go and check this out to take away from it? That's an interesting question because Home has been coming out in single issues since April, and now we have the first volume of the trade. So, you know, from the first day, literally the first day that the first issue came out, I got so many messages, so many emails, DMs from people, you know, who were really happy to see this story. It was a really humbling experience to hear people essentially say what I just said a minute ago, which is that they very rarely see themselves. And, you know, this is one of the few books that they have seen themselves in. 
So a big part of writing this is for that audience, for that Latino audience that rarely sees themselves. But the other side of the coin is that this book is also for, and all of my books is also for people who aren't Latino, for people who haven't seen our world or our stories. I think there is, you know, I think it's unfortunate that for a lot of people, they need to see stories or meet people to relate with them. You know, they need to see queer stories. They need to see Black stories, Latino stories to empathize with those kinds of people. And it's an unfortunate thing, but it's the reality of the world that we live in. So that's part of my hope for this book also, that people who maybe didn't know what was going on with family separation and the zero tolerance policy, or people that knew what was happening, but didn't think it was a big deal and didn't, you know, see the humanity in the children and the families that were being separated. You know, maybe they'll somehow stumble across this book and meet Juan and meet this character that is human and that feels real to them and that they care about. And, you know, maybe it changes their mind. You know, that's the optimistic side of it. But yeah, so my hope is that this story connects with Latino audiences and with non-Latino audiences that, you know, maybe get a glimpse into another world with this book. You've also got Frontera, a YA graphic novel from Harper Alley, and Cise Puede, a nonfiction graphic novel from Ten Speed Press coming up in summer 2023 and fall 2023, respectively. Can you walk us through how those came about and then also why those release dates, as you mentioned, are so far away? Yeah. So Home was published by Image, like we mentioned, which is a comic book publisher. You know, they do single issues in the direct market, which means comic book stores. Harper Alley and Ten Speed Press are imprints of book publishers. And it doesn't sound that different, but book publishers and comic publishers are different worlds in the way that they work. Comic publishers are very quick in their release schedules. Just for context, we created the first three issues and then we'll put on the release schedule for Image. And then, you know, the idea is that you are creating issues as they're being released. But with book publishers, they work in the graphic novel space. You know, they're not releasing single issues. They're releasing full books. And they work with very long lead times. So we sold Frontera in, I believe it was maybe May of 2020, and we got a summer 2023 release date. So three years into the future. And that tends to be the general timeline for book market graphic novels, because everything is done individually. So the entire 250-page script is written, goes through multiple drafts, you know, developmental drafts line edits, copy edits, everything until it is at its 100% final draft before the artist starts on the first page. So that process for me, at least with my first book market graphic novel, Frontera, was maybe a six-month process from the time I started on my first draft to the time we went through multiple drafts and edits and landed at the final draft. And then you know, Jacoby Salcedo, the artist, he's still working on the book. He's wrapping it up, I think, June of next year. So that's about, you know, a little over a year of him drawing 250 pages. And then the book market, after the book is completely done, book market publishers want a year to promote it, get it into the right hands, get reviews and market the book. So that's why it's a much longer process. Which is, you know, it's a little tough to hear that when you sell your first book in the book market, you're so excited. And then you find out that it's not going to be out for three years. But once you get used to that and you kind of just get into that rhythm, you know, it's 
Right now, I just wrapped up the first draft of my summer 2024 YA book. So, you know, we're going to do a few more drafts and be done with that in a few months. And then I'll start thinking about my 2025 book. And by then, Frontera will be out. So, you know, it's kind of this cycle once you get used to it that, you know, it's not like you finish writing it and then you sit around for two and a half years waiting for the book to come out, you know? For you as a writer, in just the past couple of years, you've done so many things, you've come so far. What does the next five, 10 years have in store for you? What do you want to do? And obviously, these days, IP is such an important thing. Do you see home as an example being turned into a movie someday? Where's your head at as far as bringing your message and your drive into the greater masses and into other mediums in the future? Yeah. You know, I write my books or my comics to be comics. That's the first filter. You know, I don't write these with the intention of them being optioned or turned into films or TV shows. That inevitably happens sometimes. And home, like, you know, I think most image books has been optioned. And, you know, there's not much more I can say about it than that right now. But my intention, you know, moving forward is that I keep, you know, writing my books. And part of home being optioned and my willingness to do it is also being involved in the process of it, you know, potentially making it to the screen one day. So, you know, for me, it's about continuing to write these books that I care about and that I'm passionate about and making sure that I also protect them if it does come to a situation where somebody is interested in, you know, bringing it to another medium. But, you know, right now, my intention is just to keep moving forward, making books that I care about, that I think are missing in the market. And again, to go to my earlier point that I want to read and that I wish I would have had when I was younger. Love that. Julio, I would love to ask you a few bonus questions before we go. The first question, you mentioned your origin story, but your first opportunity getting access to an agent, getting access to a publisher through actions you took on your own. So for those writers listening who are aspiring or writers who are trying to get their foot in the door, what are some words of wisdom you would give for them to get their work out there, actionable steps they can take to put their work out there and to get in touch with people to get maybe a publisher involved or an agent? You know, I think research is a big part of it. You know, we're really lucky to be living in a time where we have almost limitless access to the information that we need to figure out how to, you know, get a publisher, get an agent and all that. You know, we're not mailing letters and waiting, you know, crossing our fingers and hoping for a response. You know, I would say a big part of it is research and then, you know, the hustle behind it. And that doesn't mean cold contacting people and begging people to publish your work. It's listening to podcasts like this one and others where, you know, people who are published and who do have agents talk about how they got agents. You know, my story is not unique, but it's also not the only way to get an agent. It's one way. So, you know, I definitely recommend participating in pitching events like DV Pit. And even if it doesn't work out for you the first time or the second time or ever, that doesn't mean that it's the only way to get an agent. You know, there's querying also, which is the process of contacting agents through specific ways that they have dictated. Sometimes that's through a specific website or specific email and writing a query letter, which is essentially kind of like a pitch, but you're pitching yourself to the agent. And it's an agent's way of knowing, is there a lane for me to then pitch my client to a publisher? So I would say, you know, do your research and then, you know, 
a big part of it also, obviously, is having your stories and having them polished and fine-tuned because I could have done all the research in the world and done everything that I did do, but without you know, the stories, without you know, the writing being where it needs to be, it doesn't matter. You know, I met that editor from the image imprint, but if the story wasn't up to the level of what image expects, it wouldn't matter if she put it in front of the publisher or not. So I just encourage people to, you know, listen to podcasts, read books, read articles, and learn the industry. You know, whether your industry is comics or prose novels or scripted podcasts or screenwriting, I think it's the most important thing is to understand the industry so that you can figure out how best to, I guess, position yourself within it. Love that. Julio, I probably asked you this question the last time we spoke. That was a year and a half ago, so I'm going to give you the opportunity to answer it again. If you could choose any writer, living or dead, to take to any restaurant, which writer would you choose? Which restaurant and why? Yeah, I'll give a different answer this time. You know, I would say probably Dave Pilkey. For those of you who don't know who that is, he is the writer and artist of Dogman and Captain Underpants. He is single-handedly the largest name in comics in general. You know, not just children's comics or early reader comics. He's just the biggest name of all. And, you know, he has built this incredible lane for himself where he's able to tell these really funny, but also really, you know, empathetic stories that teach kids real lessons while, you know, throwing fart jokes in it and making it readable for kids and making it fun. So I really admire him from like a craft perspective and a story perspective where he's able to get his message out in a way that is super appealing to kids, but also from, you know, a business perspective. You know, he has put out like 13 Captain Underpants books and like almost the same amount of Dogman books and controls like 15% of the entire comics market by himself. So he's definitely somebody I'd like to talk to. The final question, and I've asked you this before as well, and I ask every guest, is if there was one piece of advice, and you already gave some advice before getting your foot in the door, but if there is one thing that you would like to pass along to all the writers who are listening, what is the one thing from your entire career, the one experience piece of advice, what would it be? You know, I would say, I think a lot of people would say to write every day. I would say to think about your stories at all times. You know, there are very few moments where I am not thinking about my books in one way or another. I'm not writing comic scripts every single day, but I am putting effort towards my stories and working on, you know, new proposals, new ideas, maybe doing research, reading books or watching films in the world or themes that I want to explore in my current project or my next project. So I would say, you know, don't don't pressure yourself to put pen to paper every single day, but make sure that you are always invested in the work that you're doing and putting your head to it, you know, every single day. Love that. For those listening, Julio's debut comic book series, Home, is out now, courtesy of Image Comics. And his forthcoming work includes Frontera, a YA graphic novel from Harper Alley, and Cise Puede, a nonfiction graphic novel from Ten Speed Press. As I mentioned, those are coming out in summer 2023, fall 2023, respectively. Julio, before you go, is there A, anything that I didn't ask you about that you wanted to talk about tonight? And then B, is there anything you want to plug or shout out that we haven't already gone over? You know, the only thing I'll mention, we've mentioned a few times that Home Volume 1 is out in stores now. I was really lucky to work with a great organization called Reimagining Migration to put together a really 
robust educator guide for the book. So not only does the volume one include issues one through five, it also includes a 24-page educator guide filled with context about what is happening in the book and discussion questions and all sorts of things that educators could use to potentially bring home into the classroom, which I have been really humbled to hear from the day that the first issue came out that many people have taken the single issues into the classroom and started using it already. So, you know, now with this educator guide, you know, there's even more potential for it. So if you are an educator or interested in bringing into the classroom, I'd encourage you to check out the educator guide in the back of the book. Awesome. Well, thank you, Julio, for taking the time to speak to us. Congrats on everything. It's great to have you back on the show and we appreciate what you're doing. Thank you so much. No, thank you, Cord. I really appreciate you having me on. You know, this is, like I said earlier, it's one of those podcasts that I go to to learn, you know, and to do my own research and, you know, to learn what the industries are like, whether it's Hollywood or comics or, you know, whatever. So this is one of the good ones. Really appreciate that. That means a lot coming from you. Awesome to catch up with you. And like I said, awesome to see your growth in just a year, year and a half. Really excited to see what the next couple of years, five, 10 years have in store for you. And I really look forward to having you back on maybe within the next six months to a year. Julio, thank you again. Good luck with everything. Really appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks to our listeners. We hope to see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to The Writer Experience. If you enjoyed the episode today, please leave a rating, a review, and a comment on iTunes. You can also check us out on Instagram at Writer Experience and Twitter and Facebook at Writer EXP. The Writer Experience is a Samurai Dinosaur production. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved. Music by Kevin McLeod.